We have officially made it. Welcome to Survivor Series Week. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, we're celebrating being there by looking back at one of my favorite Survivor Series of all time. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, like we said, it's Survivor Series week. Less than a week away, if you are listening to this, the minute that it comes out, six days removed. I don't think people get excited enough about Survivor Series. I feel like a little bit of damage has been done to the brand over the course of the last uh, several years. And I actually think that the brand warfare element of Survivor Series is at least giving something back to it. I think for, you know, the first, not 10 years, but six years of Survivor Series being a thing, it was all about, uh, uh, you know, teams of five and they were striving to survive, but it became such an event. It was a thing that we could all count on. I think over the course of maybe 20 years, it became just another pay-per-view. I mean, there's a lot of great Survivor Series moments that don't center around the team warfare. You know, you talk about, and you, you use great, but I would say uh, classic moments, memorable moments, whether it's the Montreal screw job, whether it's the first Elimination Chamber match, whether it's the Deadly Games tournament and the rock turning heel. So much stuff, so many things. Shawn Michaels and his brown tights, they've all happened at Survivor Series, but I think part of looking forward to Survivor Series was always that uh, there was a there was a theme about the show. I love a themed pay-per-view. We don't have very many of them anymore, um, and that's why Survivor Series having the brand warfare. I know Corey Graves on his podcast was saying that, uh, that there need to be stakes in order for us to care, but I disagree. I think, if anything, it just adds... Something like at the end of the day, when Survivor Series was first introduced as a pay-per-view of of teams of five striving to survive, why did there need to be teams? I don't know. Just because, because it's a thing. Stop asking questions. Maybe, you know. I think brand warfare is the same thing. You know, we've 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 spent enough time establishing that it's not about the Survivor Series elimination matches anymore. So let's make it about something else. Let's make it about brand warfare. And it's been great for NXT. So why not? I'm excited about it. I'm pumped. I hope you are too. Uh, and that's why I wanted to do a special podcast dedicated to it. But before we get there, I did want to give a shout out to Dan Moff and WrestlePro. Uh, over the weekend, I went to WrestlePro's show in Rahway, New Jersey, their last show of the year. WrestlePro is a small independent organization uh, that is run out of Rahway, New Jersey. Started by uh, Pat Buck who is now a producer for WWE, you know him as the guy in a suit that gets beat up in every single segment that a producer needs to get beat up in. Pat Buck's the guy that, d- that does it. You also know him as the guy from the internet that punched Big Cass in the face at one of his shows. That was Pat Buck. Pat Buck, um, and of course he started WrestlePro before uh, he was working for WWE. And he's been on the podcast a couple times. Um, he's been a friend for a long time. Uh, he also runs Create a Pro with Kurt Hawkins. That's a wrestling school that's in both Rawway and Long Island. That's the uh, school, by the way, that trained MJF and a bunch of other people that you're going to start seeing pop up, which is just amazing. You know, to see, after only being a few years in business, to watch 
the level of talent popping out of that school that is popping out of it is it's pretty remarkable. But I say all this to say, Wrestle Pro, uh, it's something special, man. It's a really cool experience to be a part of. It's a it's a organization that to me you don't get consistency a lot in independent wrestling promotions, and Wrestle Pro does that. Wrestle Pro gives you good old fashioned classic independent wrestling and they put on good shows every single time i don't have a lot of time in my schedule to go to independent shows you know and i try to i just don't have the time but when i have a saturday night that's free and wrestle pro is running a show in rawway you can count on me to pop up and that's exactly what i did on saturday uh however on saturday i made it a point to be there because on saturday uh dan moff wrestled uh what is for now going to be his final match in WrestlePro. Dan Moff is a guy I've known for a long time. I met Dan Moff uh, when I uh, was called by a guy named Steve Mack. Uh, Steve, a.k.a. Monsta Mack. Uh, he called me, you know, 10 years, more than 10 years ago. Years and years and years ago. Many, many years ago, I, had, I, I, was, I was a producer for a radio show called Opie and Anthony, and I was reaching out to independent promoters, and I was saying, hey, man, uh, is there anything I can do to help you with your show? I'm not looking for a payday. I'm not looking for anything. I'm just looking to be involved in this world. And one show finally said, okay, it was here locally in Westchester, and they let me be a referee in a boxer wrestler match involving Larry Sweeney, uh, Sweet and Sour. And I met Steve Mack at this show. And lo and behold, Steve Mack called me. And this was a couple months after, and he said, hey, man, uh, I know you're looking to do more wrestling stuff, but... Uh, we're looking for a commentator at Jersey All Pro Wrestling. We run shows every month. And would you want to come down and maybe do some commentary for us? And I said, are you kidding me? I would love to. He gave me a shot when I had never done any kind of commentary. I had never done anything. And it was whatever. I mean, he was just, he was just being himself. He's a good dude, this Steve Mack. And I went down there, and I was a part of Jersey All Pro for probably a year and a half or so, uh, their last year and a half of doing regular shows. And at Jersey All Pro is where I met a guy named Dan Moff. Dan Moff was a guy, I mean, big as a house, the Boricua beast, the Bayonne badass Dan Moff. And I love Dan Moff because of the level of intensity that he brought to every single performance, every match, every promo, every everything. Dan Moff brought things to a level that you could not believe. At one point, they said, you know, we would go get promos. It was just a thing that me and this guy, Mark Clemson, who was doing commentary with me, did. We'd go get promos. And so I went, and uh, he was like, you got Moff. Little did I know what I was in for. Moff, I think he had just come off a loss. There was some reason that he was super extra intense. And I swear to you, we did not have a conversation beforehand. We did not talk about what was going to go on. I said, Dan Moff, so-and-so, what's the haps? I don't know what I said to him. But he grabbed me by the shirt collar on camera and threw me as hard as he could into a stack of folded-up chairs. (laughs) And I said, okay, he's the real deal. He had great match after great match. It was every single time he was in the ring, I looked forward to it. And later on, when WrestlePro kind of took over the Rawway Rec Center as the promotion that run ran that building every month, uh, Dan Moff started becoming a, a, a regular at WrestlePro. And he had this whole second life on his career. And I mean, I see the guy now. He's in better shape than I've ever seen him in. He's having better matches than I've ever seen him have. He's just amazing. And there have been a lot of times in my life where I've sat there and I've wondered why isn't there more of a buzz about him? Why isn't he a bigger, 
deal on the internet? Why aren't more promotions trying to sign him? What what's uh, what is it? And I think it's just one of those things because it hadn't happened until it did happen, and it was announced this week that Dan Moff, or last week, I guess, since it's Monday, that Dan Moff was, had signed a contract with Ring of Honor. Uh, and I am so happy. I mean, Dan Moff is a guy, and you could take a lot of life lessons out of professional wrestling, but this is a big one. Dan Moff is a guy who had every reason to say, well, I made a go of it. Obviously, it's not going to work out for me. It's time to move on to the next thing and just stop. But it's the only thing that Dan Moff never did was stop. He just kept going. He kept going. He kept getting better. He kept having good matches. And he just didn't stop. He didn't sit there and go like, well, if I get signed this year, then I'll keep going. But if not, I'm just going to quit. And I'm sure he had those moments. Everybody does, no matter what your profession is. But he just didn't stop. He said, this is the thing that I want to do. I'm just going to keep doing it until my body doesn't allow me to do it anymore. And eventually somebody will notice or they won't, but that's not what it's about. And guess what? They noticed. Dan Moff is going over to Ring of Honor. He had his last match in WrestlePro against a guy named Sean Donovan. It was a phenomenal match. Um, and it was really cool to be there live and see it. So uh, any of you guys that are Ring of Honor fans, be on the lookout for Dan Moff. Uh, he's great. Oh, I should have had him on the podcast years ago, but... Hopefully I'll have him on the podcast at some point. It's just one of those things. I've known him forever, and it's just never, I guess it's never come up, but probably my fault. So um, congratulations, big-time congratulations to Dan Moff. He's the man. Uh, and now I want to move in to a little Survivor Series talk. So on Thursday, not Sam Thursday, we will get into everything going on at Survivor Series. We're going to go over the card. We're going to go down the whole deal. Uh, but today... I want to give you guys a little taste. There's a, a show that I do called Captive Audience. It's a spinoff show of Not Sam Wrestling. I haven't done one in a while, but I want to get back into them, especially as the holidays start and I have a couple of off days. I'll be able to get some people in here to watch some wrestling shows. I love doing Captive Audience shows because in Captive Audience, I take somebody, wrestling fan or non-wrestling fan, and I show them a show that they are not familiar with. And it's, I try to explain to them the context of the show, who, what, why, when, and where, and why I think it's awesome. And, you know, wh why this, why I'm a fan of this. And we, we do it as we watch. Uh, so today I have uh, Hot Dog, who I've talked about here on the show before. Hot Dog is important. He's a wrestling fan, although he wasn't watching back in the day. Uh, and he's also the only person I know that at the Royal Rumble in 2019 predicted that Kofi Kingston was going to win the Royal Rumble and go on to WrestleMania and win the WWE Championship. I said, you're a total idiot, hot dog. It'll never happen. I sat there, giant stadium. I watched Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania win the WWE Championship. I said, hot dog, I guess you're hired. You got a job for life. So today, hot dog joins me and I show him Survivor Series 91 uh, for the very first time. That's our interview segment. That's our State of Wrestling segment. That's the whole podcast. We're not going to watch the whole pay-per-view. We're going to watch uh, from a, We're going to watch the last hour and a half or so uh, just because, you know, you guys have lives to live. I can't, I can't lay down a three-hour podcast for you uh, and expect you to drop everything. So this week, a very special edition of Not Sam Wrestling. As we get hyped for Survivor Series, here is a viewing 
of Survivor Series 91. Feel free to watch along with us if you got WWE Network. If you don't, it's free anyway, so you might as well be a captive audience with me and with Hot Dog right now. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. So as you've already heard today, a very special day uh, in Not Sam Wrestling here, a special podcast. We're going to be watching Survivor Series 1991. Now with me is somebody who I think has been mentioned here on the podcast before. You've gotten to know him maybe on the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts show on Sirius XM. Maybe you've gotten to know him on Sam Roberts Now, the YouTube show. Um, to civilians, I describe him as maybe my producer, maybe my videographer, maybe, I mean, he's a man of many titles. But to us wrestling people, I could just tell you he's my young boy. Uh, Hot Dog is here. Special guest. Yeah, special guest Hot Dog. Now, Hot Dog, you're here because, you know, I think you understand this concept. The uh, captive audience concept is something that I've done, you know, on Patreon with a whole bunch of different people. But the idea is that I put on some wrestling that I like, or in some cases don't like. It doesn't always have to be good. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you in advance whether this is good or bad because I'd like your reaction. But it's something that you haven't seen before. Now, usually this is non-fans. Jess, my wife, is a frequent guest on this on this uh, segment. But I found out, uh, as we were talking about Survivor Series, that you only really started watching WWE in what, 96, 97-ish? 97, maybe even early 98. Wow. So what, did you see the screw job? Uh, No. So it was definitely 98. No, the was, Montreal screw job was yeah. Survivor Series 97, November. Yeah. I mean, I guess it gets muddled up because you see clips all, and then you, you Right. Kinda, you're, you're the YouTube generation after all. You say well, that, you know, with like resentment. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I decided to go all the way back and go to Survivor Series 1991. We're coming at you from the Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit. This Survivor Series, now up until this point, Hot Dog Survivor Series weren't even on Sunday nights. Survivor Series at first from, I mean, what year did it start? I think this was the fifth. So like 1986, maybe it started. 1986, 1987. It was on Thanksgiving night. Wow. Every night. That's what Survivor Series was. This Survivor Series 91 show was the first show they did on Thanksgiving Eve. And that also became a tradition for a few years after that, before they eventually they moved to Sundays. And sometimes it wouldn't even be about Thanksgiving. I, I didn't know that, and that kind of sounds like a good premise to just keep it that way. I mean, I, Thanksgiving I, Eve? The yeah, thanks- like well, it, was the, it was the Thanksgiving tradition. And to me, growing up, it was one of my favorite pay-per-views. It was one of the big five. It was five on five. Teams of five strive to survive. There was a gimmick going on. It was a whole thing. But I feel like... If you started watching in like the late '90s, Survivor Series probably the not most not the most important show in the world to you. No, right? I, yeah, you just think about the screw job. That's like the one highlight from it, and then I, you can't really think of any big, huge moments. Well, this was a big, huge moment. We're gonna go to Survivor Series '91, and I'm not gonna keep you all here on the podcast for three hours. So if you go to your WWE Network, you won't hear it, you won't see it, but you'll be able to watch along with us. Um, Go to the WWE Network and click on Survivor Series 1991. Now, there's a new function on the WWE Network that will allow you to go to a certain point in the event. This point that we're going to is 1 hour, 11 minutes, and 16 seconds into the event. We're going straight to The Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan for no other reason than you got a lot of stuff to do this week. I don't want 
this to be a three-hour extravaganza. If you guys really want us to, I'll bring Hot Dog back. We'll do the first, you know, hour and ten minutes, and we'll put it up on Patreon or something like that. But for now, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna start with Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan. I'll give you a little backstory into what's happened uh, on this pay-per-view prior to this match once we start. But I want to make sure everybody got their WWE networks ready. Now, you have never seen this pay-per-view before, Hot Dog? Nope. How familiar with you with 1991 era WWE are you? Uh, I know this is around the time that Ric Flair was around for a little bit. He was here. He's the real world champion. Uh, Undertaker debuted in nine in ninety. Survivor Series 1990, a yeah. year prior to this, the Undertaker had made his debut. And Hulk Hogan, I guess, was kind of on his way out. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, right. not quite yet. It was the it was the tail end of Hulkamania, I guess. But I mean, I so this would lead to you'd have Royal Rumble. I mean, I'm Survivor Series '91, obviously, mm-hmm. into Royal Rumble '92, where Ric Flair would win the title, into WrestleMania eight, where Hulk Hogan would have his first last match, but he would be back. For WrestleMania Nine, obviously, and WrestleMania Eight main event was Flair Savage, oh, Savage. and then Sid Hogan. Okay, but right. Flair Savage was the title match. Right. But let's get into it. Let's start this thing. Uh, let's go to one eleven sixteen. And when I say go, we're gonna go. We're gonna select the box that says Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan, and here we go. Uh, hit play. Okay, hang on. I'm having oh. WWE network issues. We're going to get there. <laughs> don't don't hit play yet. And now there it is. We're hitting play. There it is. There's a kid crying in the audience. There's a kid crying in the audience because the Undertaker, this is the real Undertaker before they replaced him. The real <laughs> Undertaker is making his way down the aisle with Paul Bearer. Look at that punum, huh? I mean, Look at these kids. They're terrified. This kid's in a Hulk Hogan outfit. He's, going, he's being consoled by his mom. Paul Bearer used to scare me more than Undertaker. Because Paul Bearer was, like, legit. Yeah, his like, facial expressions and everything. It's just, ah. Yeah, I think Paul Bearer, like, eats kids, maybe. That's yeah, what, that's what yeah. he thought. <laughs> Look, this kid, maybe he's just wiping his nose, but I see the fear in his eyes. It's not. I see it. So the Undertaker here, believe it or not, is only 26 years old. What? 26. As he walks to the ring, of course, he's got his Hulkamania casket with him. We've previously uh, seen The Undertaker on the funeral parlor. He has already locked the Ultimate Warrior in an airtight casket. Do you have any fond memories of that? I mean, when you're a kid growing up in the early 90s, The Undertaker locking The Ultimate Warrior in a casket is something that we remember, like, forever. No memory of it. Wow. I've never seen the segment. Look it up on YouTube. You have to see it. Airtight casket. The Undertaker locks the Ultimate Warrior into it. And we thought we were going to get a big uh, Ultimate Warrior-Undertaker rivalry, but then Ultimate Warrior left. Right. Um, so instead, we end up with something even better for The Undertaker as Hulk Hogan comes out in the Hulkster Rules era shirt. This is after Hulk Rules. Okay. Coming out, the people in Detroit just losing their minds. Hulk Hogan looking around going, I can't believe I'm doing this again. This is ridiculous. The action figures. Yeah, but the action figure, that's a funny thing that they did a close-up on because he's wearing a WCW championship. Like, whoever that kid is put a toy WCW title on the toy Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, and guess what? You know, apparently we have a little soothsayer in the audience. Now, uh, there were a couple of things. Hulk Hogan's not afraid Ooh. of that casket. Ooh. Who do you think he is? Kamala. Now, one year after this, The Undertaker would officially be a good guy 
and he would have a the first casket match on pay-per-view against Kamala. That's that's where Undertaker will be a year from now. Uh but Hulk Hogan's coming out, he's tearing off the shirt. This was also very interesting because usually on pay-per-view the pay-per-view ended with Hulk Hogan. Usually on live events, Hulk Hogan went on before intermission. You get to go home or you go on to the oh. next show. Sometimes Hogan would work two live events in one day. So he'd work the match before intermission, head to the next town to the B show and work the main event there. Huh. But on a lot of the big shows, Hogan would work uh, before intermission and go home after that. The idea being you give somebody a big match before intermission and they stick around for the rest of the show, I think. Uh, but, but, not, but not for... The- usually on pay-per-view, he's main event... Every he's main event city baby. He's the last match on the show, mm. but this time, this time they are uh, having Hulk Hogan and the Undertaker in the WWE Championship match in the middle of the show, which I think is probably because of what the outcome ends up being. Well, well and what ended up being the main event? The well, we'll see. Event. We're gonna watch the main event. We're gonna be here for it. We'll be here for the main event, and I'll get your take on that. Now, this is a big Survivor Series because it's coming off of one of the biggest things to happen on Superstars of Wrestling in 1991, and that is not The Undertaker putting the Ultimate Warrior in a casket. It was another ridiculously huge angle. There were a few ridiculously huge angles from Superstars of Wrestling in 91. Shawn Michaels throwing Marginetti through a barbershop window. That has yet to come. That has not happened yet in the era that we're watching. Ultimate Warrior getting put in the casket. Uh, Jake the Snake's snake getting squashed by the earthquake is one of them. But more recently, and uh, actually on the Saturday before this 1991 Survivor Series, it was Jake the Snake Roberts as a heel having his snake bite the Macho Man Randy Savage. I remember that. Okay, you got to remember that because it was one of the classic angles of all time. Mm. Uh, And what happens is, so the main event of this show... The big four-on-four tag is supposed to be Sid, Big Boss Man, mm-hmm. and the Legion of Doom versus uh, the Nasty Boys. Well, no. Sid, Big Boss Man, and the Legion of Doom versus the Natural Disasters, IRS, and Jake the Snake Roberts. Right. But we find out at the beginning of this show— that Jake the Snake Roberts will not be wrestling at Survivor Series tonight. He's suspended um, for tonight. However, we also find out from President Jack Tunney that Macho Man Randy Savage is being reinstated, which is what the campaign was all about. He hasn't wrestled since WrestleMania Seven because he lost a career-ending match to the Ultimate Warrior. He's been on commentary is that, since then. Wow, I didn't yes. know that. WrestleMania Seven was his career-ending match. He then gets moved to commentary. He becomes a babyface color commentator. The reinstate Macho Man campaign comes in, and his rivalry with Jake the Snake Roberts is what brings him back. Now, was that all for storyline, or was there something going on behind the scenes? With Macho Man yeah, going being over? Yeah, commentary. Um, I think that Macho wanted to take a break. I think that Macho, from what I've heard... Didn't just didn't want to be in the ring as much, right? And then I think he might have got the bug back, and they realized that they need Macho Man, especially if Hogan is thinking about leaving. 
Right. Because, um, I, yeah, I, I would see Macho Man on commentary for, like, old matches, but I never really, like, yes. wondered why. I just figured, like, maybe this was just, like, at the end of it, but it doesn't make sense. And if you, WCW, and if you watch, yeah, if you watch 1991 era, sometimes there's the power of the urn. Paul Bear and the power of the urn. As Hulk Hogan is choked on the rope. If you watch 1991 era uh Superstars and Macho Man doing commentary, that dastardly Paul yeah. Bearer, huh? You'll see uh, uh, Macho is sometimes wearing a T-shirt that says "Reinstate Macho Man." He's getting the crowd to chant "Reinstate Macho, mm. Reinstate Macho." So the campaign ends, but you would think, well, maybe they'll just add him to the Survivor Series match now. But mm. instead, he can't wrestle tonight, but he can wrestle after tonight, Macho. Luckily, so. He will have a match with Jake the Snake Roberts at the soonest possible time, which is this Tuesday in Texas. So when you tune into this pay-per-view, you find out there's going to be another pay-per-view on Tuesday. What? This is Wednesday. You find out on Tuesday they're going to do another pay-per-view, and that's where it's going to be Jake the Snake Roberts. They just drop pay-per-views like that? They never did. They just did this one time just to see. Let's roll the dice. Let's just see. Okay. So... Which already feels, and so Jake the Snake Roberts, since Macho Man won't compete, Jake the Snake Roberts is suspended, and so Sid is also not competing. So now the four-on-four match has become a three-on-three match, Big Boss Man and the Legion of Doom versus IRS and the Natural Disasters. The real story is that Sid had a torn bicep, I believe. Right. Yeah, it sounds like a whole mess. Yeah. A complete mess and a little bait-and-switchy, because no Jake the Snake Roberts, no Sid, but we will see Macho versus Jake but we will have to buy another pay-per-view. You guys, you guys <laughs> yeah. won't see it. Yeah, you won't see it unless you buy the pay-per-view. There's a cool match happening next week. <laughs> <laughs> There's The Undertaker now. He, I loved when he did that, when he would get clotheslined, and he would go right over the top rope but land on his feet. It was such a cool thing. I mean, you know how good The Undertaker is as a character? When this heel Undertaker, this version, the real version of The Undertaker as he was intended to be, mm-hmm. Could only, I mean, he was a good guy. He was a good guy by WrestleMania 8. So he was only really able to be, uh-oh, choking with the camera cord. By the way, it was so fun. You'll never see this on TV now, but this was like a regular part of heel tactics in WWE in the 80s and 90s, can like I, early 90s. You unplug that camera. Yeah, I know. It's dangerous. Big issues. Yeah, because you can't see it then. Who cares if he's getting choked if you can't see it? Um... But yeah, The Undertaker couldn't even stay a bad guy. He stayed a bad guy for a year and change. You know, about a year and a half, he was able to stay heel. But eventually, they had to turn him into a good guy because he was that popular. And he would be a good guy from WrestleMania 8 all the way until uh, the Ministry of Darkness era. I don't understand how you can be popular and get cheered when you got Paul Heyman on your side. You mean Paul like, Bearer? Paul Bearer on your side, excuse me. Oh yeah. yeah, he got cheered a lot. Paul Bearer became a good guy too. Yeah. Paul now Bearer. That, now that face. Now it's interesting here because it was also like, so The Undertaker has become one of, if not the best wrestler of all time. But here he's so in character that his offense is barely anything. It's just chokehold after chokehold. Like he's not doing moves. But I think that that is because back in the day, and this is, you know, people talk about, like, he's a real heel, man. Yeah. Like, a real bad guy doesn't do things that make you cheer. And this is The Undertaker, in my opinion, I think, protecting this character and not doing moves 
that is gonna they're gonna amaze people right now. He's, you don't want to get a pop out of your movie. No, he's moving like a horror movie. He's right. moving like he's he, like he's a zombie. Like he is he's the undead, and you know, leave it to the Undertaker, a guy, a performer on this level, to take a character that really is just go out and be a zombie in a tie, and turn it into something that is this compelling. I just love this Undertaker. I also love, look at that Hogan in the front row. <laughs> I great. love that guy. I've, I've remembered him ever since I saw this the first time in 1991. Yeah, I feel like this would be like the equivalent of if like the ECW zombie became a huge megastar. <laughs> exactly. One of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I watched this show live. I was living in the UK at the time. I would have uh, been, what, eight years old. I wasn't born yet. You were not born yet in 19, November of 91. You were not born yet. Mm-hmm. In one month's time. Ah, December of 91 you were born. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a great month that was. Look at that. The dreaded head vice. A lot of people have gone down. That's the That looks like the Von Erich claw. Hogan got the shoulder up. Now, this is also, while we're, you know, we're talking about the idea of Hogan winding down. Because he would. He would spend the next year or so winding down from at least this first run Mm -hmm. of his WWE career. But still, this is Hogan. While people are starting to get a little bit tired of him, this is still the never-gets-beat three-time WWE champion, like that number is a big deal, Hulk Hogan. Because at this point, it was maybe like seven, it's been like six, seven years, right? Well, let's, that that Hulkamania's been running wild, I would say, yes. Seven years about yeah. that Hulkamania has been running wild nonstop. Um, you know he's uh, he lost uh, he lost the title around WrestleMania four. He won and they had to have the tournament. Remember they vacated the title. That's when Macho Man won it. He won the title back at WrestleMania five. He lost the title at WrestleMania six to the Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. He won the title back at WrestleMania 7 from Sergeant Slaughter. And so this is, realistically, I believe he has not lost here, since he, on pay-per-view anyway, on TV, since he lost to the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 6 in a very, very hard-fought match, which and- was supposed to be a passing of the, of the torch then. But they were like, I don't think so. Never mind. Yeah, yeah no, 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 no. Pass Hogan. that back. Yeah, okay, we need you back. Also, Macho Man, get out of the booth. Yeah. We need you too. <laughs> <laughs> so Macho Man is not in the booth uh, for this pay-per-view. I believe uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan are the commentators. Well, I mean, wasn't this back when, like, uh, you wouldn't see Hogan performing? Unless it's like a live event that's not aired. Oh, Maybe. yeah. You wouldn't see him. It would be extreme. If he was going to be on WWF Superstars or whatever the TV show was, mm-hmm. It would be like for like they would literally advertise next week on WWE Superstars a special interview with Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah, and it would be Hulk Hogan at the podium with Mean Gene, just cutting a promo, and that would be like the main event. Look at that flying clothesline from the Undertaker. See, that's when it was like, oh, maybe this guy is capable of something, and he's going he right back urn. to the mysterious urn, the powerful, powerful urn. Now earlier in the night. Uh, the two matches I'll tell you that we that we are not watching here, Hot Dog, mm-hmm. are uh, two four-on-four traditional Survivor Series matches. Now, something, something to note about this match. This is the first singles match at a Survivor Series in history. Really? There had never before, before this match, every match, uh-oh, Tombstone coming up, baby. Tombstone City. 
Boom. Oh, he kicks out of the tombstone. I don't think okay. so. Oh, oh he's hulking up. <laughs> okay. That got out of Look at Paul Bear is scared. He can't believe it. He can't believe it. Here he is. He's hulking up. Boom. Have you ever seen a Hulk up hot dog? Listen, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Hulk Hogan Boom. fan, but that got a pop out of me. <laughs> you loved it. <laughs> I did. I this did not is, see that coming. So you have you never seen a Hulk up before? I mean, I didn't know it was coming then. Oh, watch this. Here he comes. Boom. Wait a minute. Is the Undertaker going to go down? Staggered. Is he going to go down? I think one more. One more out of oh, the... Oh, he's on one knee. They can't believe it. Hogan's looking what I did to him. <laughs> he's done. I'm the more... No, he's back up. Rake of the, the eyes. Well, Hogan That's can not. rake the eyes. That's okay. That's, uh-oh. Uh, Here comes the real world champion. Here we go. The nature boy, Ric Flair. Big scoop and a slam. Andre slam. Finally takes the Undertaker off his feet. He's just here to watch. I'm sure. He wants to know why Paul Barrett, Paul Barrett looked like he was going for the ankle. And now Ric Flair is out here. Now, Ric Flair, of course, he needs to take his hands off the yeah, manager. What's he doing? Ric Flair had been... Uh, uh, threatening Hulk Hogan for some time now. Boom! Hits him. Ric Flair came out with the uh, WCW NWA Championship. Yeah, so he came was, into the company with that. He came with the title, yeah, yeah. The NWA was not too happy. Uh, but he had it, and they said, send it back. And he said, no. Big boot, you know what's coming next, hot dog. Oh, mm. that's why you not shouldn't there, go against the opposite rope. I don't know why you would go against that rope. Uh, uh-oh, no, 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 no. It couldn't be. Tombstone coming up. Wait a minute. Uh, Flair's uh, got a chair. He should uh, take that out of there. Flair's got a chair. Uh, uh, Hogan, tombstone, hard on the chair. No, not, not like this. Yeah, I, and I guess he's going to be kicking out of the tombstone, right? No. <gasps> oh. Look at the kids in the back. They couldn't believe it, hot dog. This, that. this shocked the world. I'm sure, because this is like... Uh, I mean, Nobody thought this was going to happen. This would be like if Bray Wyatt had actually beaten John Cena at WrestleMania. Like, it'd be the coolest thing ever, but they'd be like, really? Right, because Taker was still like a year in. One year. Yeah. Really, really early for him. Super early. Yeah. I mean, nobody saw it coming, especially like that. Flair comes out. So Flair was the real world champion. He was walking around with the uh, WCW big gold title. Um, He put the chair under the thing, blah, blah, blah. Here's something interesting, though. It was this pay-per-view that they started blurring out the title. And Jack Tunney said it was because it wasn't uh, a, an official WWE championship. We won't be showing it on TV. But the real reason was because WCW said enough is enough. That's our copyright material. They did eventually have to send the belt back. They couldn't use it on TV anymore. Mm-hmm. So Ric Flair, when you saw him just then when a title fell from his waist, yeah. Ric Flair was walking around with an old tag team championship title on. So, and so they would blur it out on TV so you couldn't see it. But if you went to a live show, you'd see Ric Flair hold up the title, and it was just an old tag team championship. So what was the deal with that? So Flair's contract expired, but WCW still had a replica, I'm guessing, they were using at the time, right? I don't – I don't. yeah. Or something like yeah. that? Yeah, or, or they had like – or that might have been when they introduced the WCW championship instead of the NWA championship. That's crazy. But, yeah, it was nuts. It was a big deal at the time. Wouldn't happen nowadays. Well, no. Last time it happened, Alundra Blaze threw out the title in the garbage, right. and WWE sued. Um, so there are people have said that Hogan did legit get his neck hurt on that tombstone. That he did get his neck jammed up uh, on that tombstone. Um, but yeah, I mean, people in shock, except for that one guy in the blue <laughs> shirt. He's just psyched. 
Um, there's Pat Patterson. Who else is over there? That's uh, Chief J. Strongbow, it looks like. Uh, Who's the blondie? I think that's uh, Rene Goulet, Earl Hebner. It's a who's who? Yeah, this is like uh, the Pat Buck and Adam Pierce's of their day. <laughs> There's Danny Davis. Yeah, man. Hogan is down. Hulkamania has died. That's what Bobby Heenan is saying right now. Hulkamania has died. So the matches that we didn't see earlier on were, uh, it was four on four, the Mountie, Ric Flair, Ted DiBiase, and the Warlord, uh, by the way, with all their managers, because this is when all the bad guys had managers. Uh So it's the Mountie, Ric Flair, Ted DiBiase, and the Warlord with Harvey Whippleman, Jimmy Hart, Mr. Perfect, and Sensational Sherry. (laughs) I just figured in this era, Bobby Heenan was uh, managing everybody. This was when Bobby Heenan had started to step away. He was only with Ric Flair at this point. Okay. The Heenan family was no more, I don't think. Uh, they went over Bret Hart, the British Bulldog, Roddy Piper, and Virgil. This is when Virgil was getting that big baby face push. Oh, this is Virgil, a uh, millionaire. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right after he left Ted DiBiase. We also skipped Jim Duggan, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Sergeant Slaughter, Texas Tornado, and El Matador Tito Santana versus, uh, and winning over the Berserker, Colonel Mustafa, Hercules, and Skinner. I don't know half those names. Wow. Well, I wish, I kind of wish we'd watch that, but... There's only so many hours in the day. Uh, so Look at the children. I know. The children are crying. Hogan is being helped up. He can't believe this. Well, at least he didn't get put in that casket. At least he didn't get put in the casket. That's right. Disappear like Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Now, uh, obviously there needs to be a Hulk Hogan-Undertaker rematch, right? I mean, I would think so. You know, steel chairs, Ric yeah. Flair, all that, you know, bearer, all that interference. When do you think that they should do the rematch? Do you think they should go, like, SummerSlam or something or Royal Rumble? or? This is Survivor Series. Uh, Rumble or, or hold it on to WrestleMania. How about this Tuesday in Texas, baby? Got to? Get that pay-per-view on Tuesday. <laughs> so now you got people going like, well, I mean, that's cool, but to get the ending to the championship match... And the Build the Survivor Series story with Jake Roberts and Macho Man, we got to buy another pay-per-view? It's an (laughs) add-on. Yeah, (laughs) it's an additional pay-per-view. There's extra content. We're also going to do Bret Hart versus Skinner, so you want the rest, check it out. If you want the other half of this match, (laughs) (laughs) that'll be $59.99. So there's Hulk Hogan. He can't believe, he can't believe what's happened. So uh, what was it? Was it an in your house pay per view? Uh, was that no? It was the one, the no. Tuesday it, one? In your house was it didn't start until ninety uh, five. Uh. It was literally called this Tuesday in Texas. Uh. It's a pay per view from nineteen ninety one. Look it up on the network. I don't remember if we've done a, uh, a watch a, a captive audience with that or not. But maybe next time yeah, I, I bring you in one. here. Now you're gonna want to see Tuesday in Texas because <laughs> right, yeah. I want to see what happens. Me and Gene cannot believe what's happened here. Um, Flabbergasted. He's flabbergasted. I mean, he's supposed to stay, you know, you're straight down line. the middle, yeah. but he can't believe it. We got to zoom in and see that pun him. <laughs> um, I love, by the way, that they don't pull what Disney Plus did with The Simpsons and try to make everything widescreen. That if you oh. watch stuff like this on the network, it's still, you know, in its original square standard, you know. I mean, if you're trying to watch it for like nostalgia, like something that you watch as a kid, you want to. Right how you remember it. It should look like this. Yeah. There's Piper cutting a promo. Piper's talking about Flair. So, you know, it's really interesting what was going on here because clearly there was a thought to do Hogan versus Flair. Mm-hmm. They never did on pay-per-view. But 
they wanted, I believe, my, my th- as I look at this now, I think they wanted to build to Hogan versus Flair. And so they have Flair in this thing, but right now Hogan is occupied with The Undertaker, obviously, still. And Roddy Piper and Ric Flair actually uh, were the first, that was Flair's first rivalry in WWE, was with Roddy Piper. I'm guessing there was uh, some politics or something involved. I mean, with why why wouldn't you do Hogan and Flair? Flair Hogan, those so are the two biggest names. I've I've asked that many times. I've interviewed Hogan and asked him. Hogan goes like, I don't know, brother. Uh, some things they don't happen. Like when what, stuff what? doesn't happen with Hogan, he acts like he has no say <laughs> over anything. When stuff does happen, then yeah, he had a lot to do with it. But when stuff doesn't happen, he's like, they, I just do what they tell me. You think Hogan is just walking around like, what's going on? Who am I? Who am I working tonight, brother? <laughs> um, but they said. They said they weren't happy with it at live events. They said that it didn't draw and they didn't have chemistry, and so they didn't do it. And instead, I so I have no idea because literally Hogan goes to WCW, and his first match in WCW is for the championship against Ric Flair. Right. So I mean, it's I, like I, everybody. I mean, by then it was a little late. Okay, so let's see. Is Ric Flair going to show the real world championship? Because there's Sean Mooney, whose podcast I was on this week, by the way. Um. Rick, he's got it under the robe. That's Ric Flair. And Mr. Perfect, by the way, is the executive consultant to Ric Flair. Again, we fast forward and we look at uh, 1992 Survivor Series. A year from now, Mr. Perfect is going to be making his return to the ring. He's out of wrestling right now, collecting a nice Lloyd's of London insurance policy, I believe. And a year from now, Mr. Perfect will be back in the ring. He will have just turned face baby face uh and he will take the place of the ultimate warrior once again who is gone he's back and gone before next survivor series there's people coming in and coming out yeah so next year at survivor series the main event is supposed to be rick flair and razor ramon versus the ultimate maniacs which is uh ultimate warrior and macho man randy savage Mm -hmm. right before survivor series the ultimate warrior i believe went down to testing positive for steroids i think if i remember i could be wrong Mm -hmm. but i think so uh, putting him off the show and out of WWE for a while again, Mr. Perfect gets pulled off the bench for the first time in years, and he comes back as a good guy and teams with Macho Man against Flair and Razor. So what was Mr. Perfect's deal then for all, the, all this time? So Mr. Perfect, he left uh, not too long before this because this is Survivor Series 91, November, obviously. SummerSlam 91, he had an amazing match with Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. Mm-hmm. But I believe that was that was either his last match, certainly his last pay-per-view match for a while. Uh, and he was injured. He did have a back injury. But there was a company called Lloyd's of London. that It was an insurance company. And a lot of wrestlers, and they would insure wrestlers. Like Lloyd's mm-hmm. of London would take very expensive, high-risk insurance policies. That was their business. And a lot of wrestlers, Rick Rude, like there, lots of wrestlers have stories about getting these giant. They don't do it anymore mm-hmm. because they got wise to it. Because what would happen is a wrestler would take. Oh, he's not wearing the championship. A wrestler would take out the Lloyd's of London insurance policy. He would get injured, maybe not a career-ending injury, but an injury, and he could make so much money off this insurance policy that he would just sit back and collect it, and he would end his career. So I believe that Mr. Perfect at this point, is on a Lloyds of London collection thing. I think, hustle. I, yeah, I, I think that that's what's going on. He was legit injured. Yeah. And then he stayed out for Lloyds of London. But then I guess he decided to break the insurance policy, come back, 
and WWE must have made him an offer to, well, what if we pay you more than Lloyds of London? Oh, okay, then I'm fine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh man. Yeah. Oh, I think I can go. Let me sleep on it. Oh, as luck would have it, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Mean Gene now. So I believe that that uh, fade to black that we just saw in the pay-per-view was actually where the original intermission was. I don't know if you know this, Hot Dog, but back in the, in, in the day-day, they would have intermissions at pay-per-views. Like, the pay-per-view, pay-per-view telecast would actually have a graphic come up, and it would be the intermission. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. How happen. long would it be? Uh, 15 minutes, I think. Okay. Yeah. So here's the natural disasters. That's the earthquake and typhoon, along with Erwin R. Scheister, otherwise known as IRS, of course, the tax agent. Erwin R. Scheister, by the way, I think you know... Uh, where where he falls uh, in terms of familially in wrestling right now? Do you right. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, father of yeah. of the Bo fiend. Dallas and yeah. and and the fiend, the father of the fiend Bray Wyatt. Yes, Erwin yeah. uh, R. Scheister, otherwise known as IRS. My dad loved those characters. He loved that there was a tax man who wrestled in a tie. And his name was IRS. It was almost as if, like, they had their main gigs and then, you know, wrestling on the side. Right, right. Like, tax season, he doesn't do that many matches because yeah. he's doing taxes. But, you know, when it's not April, uh, what else he doing? Fuck around, you know, become a world champ. Exactly. Exactly. Why? Because why not? And there's Typhoon back there. Typhoon, of course, started in the WWE as Tugboat, mm-hmm. turned heel, joined Earthquake to become the natural disasters, Earthquake and Typhoon. Left WWE, went to WCW to shock right. the world. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask, yeah. And now, by the way, his son is the timekeeper for WWE. His son rings the bell at WWE shows. That's yeah. his son. Shockmaster's son. Yes. The shock, a, well, you know, and we'll say Typhoon's son. You quite know. a legacy. And Jimmy Hart is still just rocking and rolling as Jimmy Hart. He looks exactly the same as Jimmy when he Hart does two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. <laughs> So there, of course, uh, the Natural Disasters and IRS cutting their promo for the match that will be the main event of the night, the three-on-three match where they took out the two biggest stars. <laughs> right. Um, but now you got the big boss man and the Legion of Doom. Does anything else scream 90s good guy wrestlers more than the Legion of Doom and the big boss man? I mean, all I'm thinking about right now is, like, yes, but... That uh, world titles, the tag titles look so pretty. Oh, they're so nice. Look at them all shined up, and they look almost bronze because they're so dark. Yeah. The animal. By the way, I saw the animal last night at WrestlePro in Rahway, New Jersey. He was taking pictures with kids in the ring during intermission. He's not still uh, wrestling. He's he? not wrestling, but he does take pictures, and he brings the shoulder pads out. Although, nice. look at those shoulder pads. I think those are the deluxe shoulder pads. I don't think the shoulder pads he has now have that. Look at all those little spikes. There are a lot of spikes on those shoulder pads. We need more spikes. You got to have spikes on these things. Look at all that red. There's no spikes there. Put them on. Damn it. I mean, yeah, they should probably. You would think the alignment would be different. You got Typhoon and all these guys, and then you got these terrible, like horrible looking, scary, you know, spikes and painted up. And they just look, they look a lot meaner than the other guys. So you're saying that these guys look, you're saying they look tougher, or you think that these guys should be the bad guys? I'd say bad guys. Wow. Well, they're too cool. Yeah. Well, it seems to me what it seems to be. Hawk does not scream babyface to me here. No, he's, but he screams a lot. <laughs> Look how red that face is getting. Yeah. Oh, Legion of Doom, we're the coolest tag team in the world. I dressed up as a Road Warrior animal for a birthday party one year. And I didn't. Really? I, no, yes, that's true. I didn't shave my head into a, a mohawk, obviously. 
And I was very upset because I wanted my mom to make me a mohawk cap, but she couldn't find a bald cap. So we got a white swim cap and we uh, made a mohawk out of that. She put yarn in it and the mohawk was perfect, but it wasn't flesh tone. It was white. It was a white swim cap with the mohawk on it. This was before Goldust? This was long before Goldust. Yeah, this was this era. This was probably, you know, I don't know. This was either 91 of September 91 or September 92. Now, do you know who that man is, Hot Dog? This is very important for your history. Do you know who that man is with Mean Gene? Uh, no, but can I guess? Is yeah. that Jack uh, Attorney? Or, or, uh... Jack Attorney. He is. <laughs> he is the lawyer for the WWE. Jack, I am Jack Attorney, and I am here. Uh, no, that is, yes, you're right. That is President Jack Tunney. Boom. President Jack Tunney is there to uh, announce to the world he was the quintessential WWE figurehead. I mean, he was they were not babyface, not heel. He was just there to let you know what was going on. Vince McMahon was simply a commentator, uh-huh. and Jack Tunney was in charge. Nobody put their hands on Jack Tunney. Jack Tunney was never involved in any angles. He was just a person who kept everything the way it should be going, and he's here to announce that The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan rematch is going on this Tuesday in San Antonio, Texas. And it was, I know, I I know hearing and stuff that when he shows up, it's a big deal. A, they, they wouldn't just use him. No, it's you know. a big deal. It's a very big deal. Right. Um, Which is great. Yeah. So, I feel like you need that. So t- there it is. Bobby Heenan can't believe it. He thinks it's dumb. Why should Hogan get a rematch? I'm waiting to get to this phone call. Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon. Well, will you stop it? Um... And Jack Tunney has also announced uh, at Tuesday in Texas, he will be ringside. He will be sitting ringside just to make sure everything is on the up and up because you can't get you can't get one past Jack Tunney. He can't stop the Undertaker. Well, yeah. Now, of course, uh, Tuesday in Texas is not going to go well for either the Undertaker or Hulk Hogan. There's going to be more chicanery. The title is going to be declared vacant because when Hogan loses the title. It gets declared vacant. Okay. <laughs> the title is going to be declared vacant. It's going to be put up for grabs at the 1992 Royal Rumble. Some would say the best Royal Rumble match of all time. Mm-hmm. Ric Flair is going to win the 1992 Royal Rumble, become the WWE champion. That's when he has his uh, his promo afterwards. Yeah. Yes. With a tear yes. in my eye. This is the greatest moment. Yeah. That's, that's really It's an amazing promo. Yeah. Classic. Um. So that'll go, and then they'll head on to WrestleMania 8 where they'll do Savage and Flair, and uh, everything will be great. So and here not we... do the one match everyone wants. Hogan and Flair? Mm-hmm. No, we're doing Hogan and Sid. Thank you very okay. much. <laughs> Thank you very much. We got to look long-term. Who's going to be who in are... this business forever? Who are these guys? That's Bo and Blake, the Beverly Brothers. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the genius. Do you know the genius hot dog? I remember seeing this guy. Did... I, I think he's made a cameo... One of the old school Raws. You can get him on Cameo, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the genius, a couple of things he was known for. Number one, there there is urban legend, that, and I did ask him in an interview, and he did basically confirm this, that apparently he could fillet himself. How did that come up? Well, it's urban (laughs) legend. Apparently, he used to do it to impress people in the locker room. Oh, That's what I've heard. Okay. That's the rumor. Here are the Nasty Boys, of course. You know the Nasty Boys mm-hmm. coming out with the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. The Genius represents uh, the Beverly Brothers. The Nasty Boys represented by Jimmy Hart. Um, the Genius, also family of uh, uh, WWE, he is the brother of Macho Man Randy Savage. 
I did not know that. Yes, and uh, that's why uh, there is also uh, urban legend that the genius apparently was on payroll at WWE at WCW mm-hmm. the entire time Macho Man was employed, and they did not use him once. But what? Macho Man, he looks at he goes, "No, my whole family eats." Oh, okay. <laughs> so, oh, here we go. It's time to hongi. The Bushwhackers making their way to the ring. You know the Bushwhackers? Yeah, uh, we got uh, Otis and uh, what and Tucker. Uh, Honoring them now. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Otis and Tucker, Heavy Machinery, do honor them. The Bushwhackers, of course, uh, because this is, you know, in 1991, what we think people from New Zealand act like. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's interesting about the Bushwhackers, and I didn't find this out. I mean, I was probably like a freshman in high school. Maybe I was in eighth grade, still in middle school, but probably a freshman in high school. And I got this big book from somebody. Because back, you know, the internet was in its infancy. Here, there is no internet. But, you know, in, when I'm a freshman in high school, the internet is still kind of in its infancy. Mm. And so you don't know the history and all this stuff. I got a book. Maybe I wasn't in high school yet. Maybe it was like seventh or eighth grade. I got a book that was just called like Wrestling or This Is Wrestling or something like that. Yeah. And it was a hardcover book. And it had pictures of all these wrestlers from around the world. Here come the rockers, by the way. Um, and it had pictures of these guys called the Sheep Herders. And I looked at them and I was like, wait, those are the bushwhackers. Mm-hmm. But I saw all these pictures of the sheep herders doing terrible things to people, blood, barbed wire, all this stuff everywhere. The bushwhackers in this other life were the sheep herders and they were one of the most violent, vicious tag teams in the world. And they did hardcore wrestling. Did death matches back then? Death matches, heels. You know, you know who was doing death matches even in the 70s? Uh-huh. Puerto Rico. Right, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the sheep herders were actually this vicious team. Vince brings them on board and goes like, no, I think we can sell some toys here. I think we can sell some hats. And he brings out the bushwhackers. And I got to believe they don't have to get busted open every night. They don't even have to take that many bumps. Right. And they just get to sell merch. Look at the shape I mean, they're, they're in, they by the like way. They look like tough dudes. You know, I mean, you don't even remember it. Like, they, like That's a, Those are journeyed men. Yeah, man. So the Rockers here, this is a crucial moment in the Rockers' history. This is going to be the last... Not a bunch uh, of nobodies. What? Who are? The Rockers. <laughs> Marty Jannetty would go on to be a big star. I'll, oh. tell, you, I'll tell you that. Marty Jannetty would go on to be a huge star. Um, this does also go to show you the uh, the how many teams, like how big the tag team division was. Look at the shape he's in, man. Who's that, Butch? Look at the shape he's in. I always thought the Bushwhackers were like kind of chubby, but Butch is in like amazing shape. I think that's Butch. Um, it goes to show you the level that uh, that these uh, the tag team division, how deep it goes. That this is actually these four teams are kind of the lower tier teams. That we've got tag teams in the main event with the Natural Disasters and Legion of Doom. But we've still got enough tag teams left over that we can do an entire Survivor Series match with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, and you know, there's like three legendary teams here. Yeah, and only one of the teams in this match ever held the tag titles. Wow. The Rockers never held the tag titles. The Bushwhackers, really? no, never. They won. Here's the thing about I believe it's the Rockers. They won the tag titles one night, right? It was at a Saturday night's main event taping, mm-hmm. and I believe they beat the Hart Foundation. But midway through the match, the rope broke. And the match went to hell after that. It was a terrible match because they didn't have the middle rope. So they couldn't do anything. And so it ended up being terrible, but they finished it. 
They won. The Rockers won the tag team championships. WWE goes, you know what? We're not going to air the match. We're just going to make it up later. Don't worry about it. Right. We're going to put... And so they just act like it never happened. They hand the titles back to the Hart Foundation, not storyline. So this match never airs. It's a taped Saturday night's main event. We never see the match with the broken rope. We never see the Rockers win the tag titles. So it never happened. Hart Foundation go back to being the tag champions, and they just never did a makeup. Has that match ever been released or anything? I think it might be... There's definitely stills and footage from it. It might be on one of those unreleased matches collections or something at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the Beverly Brothers never won the tag titles. The Bushwhackers never won the tag titles. The Rockers never won the tag titles. Just the nasties. Any other highlights that you know from the Beverly, uh, Beverly Brothers? Any uh, fun uh, facts? Do they disappear after this? No, no, no. Uh, uh, they were actually both journeyman wrestlers. Um, Mike Enos is uh, the one with the mustache. Mm-hmm. Mike Enos, I believe that's Mike Enos. Um, he uh, was actually, he would go to WCW as Mike Enos, E-N-O-S, and uh, he would have, um, it was Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos, but Mike Enos was in the match. I've said Enos so many times, it's <laughs> making me sick. He was in the match that was interrupted by Scott Hall, when he first showed up on Nitro. Mm. When Scott Hall first showed up on Nitro, he was interrupting a Mike Enos match. Okay. So, you know, he's got his own claim to fame there. That's his... Uh... He wrestled in WCW from 96 to 2000. You know, he... Uh, just, a low, just a little low-card guy. Good hand. Kind of good real. hand. What do you fucking read wrestling lingo on the internet? <laughs> he was a good hand. Um, he competed for the WCW tag titles in a tournament with Bobby Duncan Jr. Huh? Uh, he was, uh, it was Mike Enos versus Steve Dahl was the match that Scott Hall interrupted, uh, on that episode of WCW Nitro. And what a classic match that was. Well, we remember the Scott Hall part. <laughs> and there he is. That's the Beverly brother that's in the ring right now, actually, is Mike Enos as he gets whipped into the turnbuckle by the future heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Now, um, they had been very, very slowly planting the seeds of the Rockers' tension. Mm-hmm. leading into this match. It would be very quickly after this match that uh, the Rockers would finally have their breakup. But the seeds, going into Survivor Series, the seeds were planted uh, that there may be some tension between Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. And, yep. you know, back then, see, like right there, like Shawn tags in one of the Bushwhackers. They're just a little, why didn't he tag in his partner? Right. You know, and back then it was a big deal. None of these tag teams, out of the four tag teams that we're seeing, none of them ever broke up. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. nowadays we think tag teams almost only exist to break up. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. There's a little feud coming afterwards and then they go their separate ways. But there was no, it didn't happen back then because these tag team acts were just that. They were tag team acts. And... When the Nasty Boys, for instance, would go to WCW, they would go as the Nasty Boys. Mm-hmm. You know, the Beverly Brothers wouldn't go as the Beverly Brothers, but number one, that was a WWE creation. And number two, they never actually broke up. They just, WWE stopped using the Beverly Brothers, and the two individuals went on to do other careers. Right. Um, so I, it was a big, big deal. I'm still shocked to, like, find out that this is, like, an undercard match in the Rockers. I mean, the Rockers, were I thought they were, like, a like one of the top tag teams Back then, they were, but like they never won a title. They never won. Shocked to me. They never. Yeah, they were still one of the most popular tag teams for sure. But titles meant a lot. Titles did not 
switch all that often back then. And here's the thing. You got the Rockers. Like, if the Bushwhackers are the tag team champions, you're going to figure out a way to get the titles on the Rockers, right? Mm -hmm. When you got the Road Warriors, when you got Hawk and Animal, you're not going to put the titles on the Rockers. You're going to keep the titles on Hawk and Animal. Like, because in order to get the titles on the Rockers, look at this guy in the blue shirts back. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a jacket on now. You'd have to have the Nasty Boys beat the Legion of Doom and then have the Rockers beat the Nasty Boys. Right. And you don't want to have the Nasty Boys beat the Legion of Doom. Yeah. So that's why you'd end up in scenarios where getting the titles was a lot more difficult and the timing had to be a a lot different. Now, I believe in this match, instead of standard Survivor Series elimination rules, it's tag team elimination rules, meaning if Marty Jannetty gets pinned, Sean leaves as well. If Luke gets pinned, Butch leaves as well. I believe. I think that Mm -hmm. that's, that's the rules of this match. That we're seeing here is it's only two eliminations. Needed. Sags, yeah, Sags and Marty Jannetty are in there together. Now, yeah, I mean, good ring work, great ring work. A hot dog with your little, what do you have? Your little, uh, Got my little dictionary, travel dictionary. You're, you know. you're, it's like a tourist with his, uh, with his translation dictionary. You're like, what <laughs> other vocab can I throw in? I want the not Sam wrestling audience to really know I know my stuff. I know, I know, <laughs> ring work. <laughs> You must watch that AEW stuff. Huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yes. So this is kind of what Survivor Series was all about back then. And, and I think this is why it ended up uh, not keeping its format is that uh, you'd have matches like this that were just like good matches, but not that much happening. You know so when I mean? did it actually start becoming... Well, so the year after this, right, this 1991, they're making a big deal. You see Marty stumble, yeah. super kick. Sean's like, I'm stealing that. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, two, no. So uh, a year, this year they're going, it's a huge deal that there's one singles match on this show. Mm-hmm. Hogan versus Undertaker, first singles match in Survivor Series history. The year after this... That's when they would give up on Survivor Series altogether. The year after this, I think they had one Survivor Series elimination match at 92, but they had a nightstick on a pole match. They had a coffin match. They had Sean versus Brett. They had uh, the tag match, you know, Savage and Perfect versus Warrior and Flair. So this really is a, a farewell. They would go back to it. You know, 93, they had a bunch of elimination matches. 94, they had a few elimination matches, but pretty quickly. Now, what they did get rid of for this mat- this year was they used to do a thing where they'd have a grand finale match where the survivors, and by the way, soul survivors, Zack Ryder said soul survivors on Twitter. He, uh, he, he did a promo where he said, Kurt Hawkins and I are going to be the soul survivors. I talked about this last <laughs> week. Listen to it at Survivor Series, okay? Listen to commentators, to wrestlers, to announcers talk about soul survivors. S-O-L-E. I tweeted right, the right. definition. One. One. There can be one soul survivor. You cannot pluralize soul but survivors. But there's two of them. So two ones. That's not how that works. Okay. Lone, there's two of you. You're not exactly lone. Um, so... What they used to do was they'd have a grand finale where all the survivors would come back to have one big match. The good guy survivors would be on one team and the bad guy survivors would be on another team. Which really, I mean, that's how clear cut and defined good guy versus bad guy was. Uh-huh. That um, sounds cool. 
It was cool, except then you kind of knew you had to throughout the night, ah, oh, the Bushwhackers are eliminated by the Beverly Brothers. Four on two. Martin is just waiting for him to turn around. <laughs> hey, bud. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Mike. Uh, or is that Wayne? Right over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, all, but that, what, yeah, that's Wayne Bloom. What that does do, unfortunately, is, uh, but by the way, the Beverly Brothers are Bo and Blake. I'm sorry. When they're Beverly Brothers, it's Bo Beverly and Blake, Blake Beverly. I don't know which one's Bo and which one's Blake, but they're Bo and Blake. The Beverly Mama Brothers. knows. Yeah, Mama does know. Um, it makes it so that as you're watching Survivor Series, when you have a grand finale match, you kind of know you're going to have to have about an equal number of good guys and bad guys winning mm -hmm. because then you're going to have a match later. And think, the baby faces always win, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Hogan, Hogan must pose. Right. I think the, the year before this, it was like Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, and, and Tito Santana was the good guys. And then I think they had five bad guys they had to beat. And so they had... Uh, Tito get eliminated, of course. <laughs> Poor Tito. And then Hogan and Warrior just beat all the bad guys and just stood up together like superheroes at the end. Yeah. But they did not do that for this one. I guess I would imagine if I had to guess why they didn't bring that back, probably because they didn't have Hogan in a Survivor Series match. And so why bother? There's they don't no need. Right. Like what's think about what's the star power gonna be? Like are you gonna have, you know, the Beverly brothers and and the Mountie versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Big Boss Man. And like have, that's... Yeah, have the people in the next match are gone. So. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, when I was a teenager watching the Survivor Series, it, it, it always seemed like the survive the actual Survivor Series match was like almost like, uh, like we need to do this. Right, just because we named the pay per view, you know, so we're supposed to like. You're really just waiting for the elimination chamber, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty boy Brian Nobbs, this is the numbers advantage. This is the thing that people talk about. Four on two. Four on two. It's not easy. Look at that teamwork. Those yeah. are brothers. Look at that. And either Bo or Blake, whoever Wayne Bloom is, is sitting there looking at the audience going, can you believe what I just did? That was cool. Yeah. That's the Beverly Brothers. Sean says, no way. No way, Jose. Who would have thought you were looking right there at a guy who would go on to be arguably the greatest wrestler of all time? Like, you're looking at... Maybe the greatest wrestler of all time. Certainly one of the greatest WWE superstars of all time. Now, when uh, Sean and like Marty split, was Sean automatically groomed to be that? Or was that like... I No, I don't think Sean... No, there's no way Sean was automatically groomed. Not, you know, not to be like the greatest of all time. But right. Just to be like, I know. mean, it was pretty clear that Sean was going to be more of a star than Marty. Right. Which was a bummer because I was a kid. I like good guys more than I like bad guys. And I was really hoping Marty would give Sean the business. Mm. He didn't. <laughs> he really didn't. He never really even got good revenge on him. They had a couple matches here and there. They had a ladder match, right, I think? He did not have no? a ladder match, no. Oh, okay, no. They had a match. It wasn't a ladder match. But they had a match. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you know, Marty would go on. Uh, he did have the Intercontinental title at one point for about a week. I think... I think he had the tag titles with the one, two, three kid for a week, too. Unless that was Sparky Plug. I think it was Marty Jannetty. Um, that would be a couple years after that when the title started to get switched a little bit more frequently because you had live Monday Night Raw every week. Right. Um, and Marty just never got support from the audience, I'm guessing. Well, you know, he didn't get the most support from... I mean, Sean clearly was more talented and had more charisma, but Marty mm -hmm. also was a partier. He wasn't as uh, reliable, maybe, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He'd, he'd have to. He would find reasons that he'd have to part ways with the company many, many times. I think he's been out of in and out of WWE like seven times. Mm. Like he just can't stick around. Um, Sean just getting the snot kicked out of him. Frequent tags by these four men, the mark of uh, tag team veterans. As he gets whipped against the rope, sunset flip. Ooh, yeah, big kick out by Brian Knobs. See, frequent tag again. Won't let him get that tag in. To the fresh man, Marty Jannetty. Because there's three fresh men just waiting there on the other side. Yeah, Marty would even have a run in WCW. I mean, it wasn't like a run run, but he was in WCW for a period of time. Uh, I guess everybody was in WCW for a period of time. This was like mid-90s? Because I remember him from... No, it was like late 2000s. It was like early 2000s. Yeah, it it was towards the end of WCW for sure. It was when a lot of people... It was like... I think it was like... They brought in Marty Jannetty. They brought in Rick Martel. I think it was like the Thunder years, you know, when they started to this really like expand a, the roster. Yeah. Yeah. And nice fly. And there's that super kick that would end the career of the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. It doesn't it just even, no-sold it. It doesn't even keep Brian Knobs down. <laughs> <laughs> he no-sold it like Renee Young getting kicked in the face on commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Sean going up top. Oh, no, not enough. I thought he was trying to get his you-know-what in for a little bit. <laughs> it's so crazy to see someone just completely no-sell a super the kick. The super kick, because yeah. then it was just a kick. They didn't even call it a super kick. He called it a crescent kick. He hit him with a crescent kick. Oh, boy. Sean is in no man's land at this point. No momentum his way. This is just, it's a massacre. It is, look at Marty reaching out for the tag. Oh! Okay. Sean with that burst of energy, huh? Let's reach out. Reach out, get that tag. Oh, he doesn't know uh, where he is. No, oh, he's, no, he's a little shaky. Marty's like, Sean. There oh, we go. Oh, he got the tag. Boom. There he is coming in like a... Uh, okay, that's a little messy. Yeah, Nob okay. sold that punch better than he <laughs> sold the super kick. It's how you know what it is? Marty, he's just got too much energy right now. Marty's a little messy. Yeah, he's losing his mind. Yeah. He's so excited to be in the ring. Like, relax, pace yourself, bud. You're missing half your shots. Yeah, there's still four guys. And your partner can barely move. You think the Bushwhackers are even still in the building? They probably went home. They're probably probably like halfway to the next town already. (laughs) And they're walking all the way over. Oh, yeah. They're just bushwhacking their way to San Antonio for Tuesday in Texas. Are we booked, mate? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. So why this? What, what What is that? What is what? What is What is the the Bushwhacker thing supposed to be? That's the Bushwhacker walk. Why? What was the explanation for that? That's not a... What do you need to explain? Everything? It's a bushwhacker walk. It's how bushwhackers walk. Uh, okay. You know what the biggest bummer in the world is? As an adult, I met uh, Bushwhacker Butch. Mm-hmm. I think it was Butch. He was the one that was around, I think. Um, And he came over because the video camera was on. And he did the thing where he licked my head. And I went, oh, no, this is going to be disgusting. Yeah. Not one drop of saliva. It was all worked. What? They know how to do it with their hands, so it looks like they're licking. The whole thing was a work. <laughs> they I weren't. Mean, they didn't lick anybody. I mean, what are you? You're not saving anyone from getting sick. It's a. I really thought everybody was getting licked. You were excited to get licked. I. I mean, at li- I. I was. No, I was. I was bummed out that I was going to get licked, but I was even more bummed to find out nobody had ever really gotten licked. <laughs> it was it's all a ruse. It's a work. Yeah, yeah. I got worked like everybody else. Oh <laughs> uh, man. Now, Marty Jannetty is just no help whatsoever. All right, hot tag for nothing. No, this is a long-ass match, too. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow, I'm looking at it now. Technically, this match is only 23 minutes. I would have guessed 40. 23 minutes That's for it. an undercard. 23 minutes, yeah. And they're like, all right, we're going to let the Bushwhackers, they're going to powder out about seven minutes in. You got this, Rockers, Sean, Marty? <laughs> Jerry Sags looks like my teeth. cousin Jeff from Michigan. I don't know if he has gap teeth. I think he's missing a tooth. I think. Oh, yeah, that was a big space. Yeah, yeah a lot of times <laughs> when you see a tooth size gap. Okay. It's just a missing tooth. It's not okay. actually like braces won't help. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Point of the crowd. Look at what we did. Look at what we did to Marty Janetti. Here comes Brian Knobs now. Looking a little blowed up. <laughs> Getting up to that they're, top rope. They're a little tired. Well, come on. Oh, oh got those go. knees up. Tag, got those knees up. Tag back to the man. HBK, baby. I mean, we still have two more eliminations. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to have to eliminate both teams if they want to make this work. Now HBK is coming in like a house on fire. Where's he's got to be running on adrenaline at this point. Boom! How about that? That was pretty so, nice, huh? so much more crisp. That smooth clothesline where he lands on his back. I love that. That's the type of stuff you would like try to make your figures do, but people didn't actually do it. Uh-oh. That one Beverly brother just in the middle. I will say Sean's like movement and all that really does stand out. Next to everyone else in this ring, including Marty. Yes. Oh yeah. man. Especially Marty. Oh man, that's <laughs> that's a bummer. What the? Oh. Oh, did you see what happened? Ah. Uh, Marty accidentally kicked Sean. Why the hell did he go and do that? See, and Sean's pissed now. Isn't it man. funny that like Sean, like looking like he's pissed in character. He would go on and have that same face when he was actually pissed at people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what? I can see where the whole barbershop thing came in. That was that was all on Marty. He's look, he's pushing Marty. By the way, Survivor Series is not a good spot. Survivor Series ninety three and ninety one, the destruction of the uh Rockers. Uh -huh. Survivor Series ninety three, two years after this, is gonna be the destruction of Bret Hart and Owen Hart. Mm. Although Bret Hart versus Ownhart, one of the great rivalries of all time. Shawn Michaels, one of the greats of all time. So he's saying, "What's happening here?" I thought they were. Uh, yeah, match is over. What's going on? I thought the match was over too. Why is he? Why did the Rockers attack? Try to attack? Did him? they pin both Bushwhackers? I thought I only saw one Bushwhacker get pinned. I thought it was uh, one pinfall. So did I. Did you see two people get pinned or one person get pinned? I saw one. So I guess it's not double elimination. I mean, Sean's maybe out. We must have missed. Maybe we missed a Bushwhacker pin. Maybe well, both Bushwhackers got pinned. Sean is out. Yeah. And the match is continuing. Although, I do remember that uh, on commentary, two, no, on commentary, Gorilla Monsoon didn't see Sean get pinned. So he called this uh, as if to say that Sean was walking out on Marty and nobody corrected him. I mean, so that's what commentary said. Okay. I mean, there's. But I'm sitting there as a kid going, like, he got pinned, though. Gorilla? <laughs> what do you mean? But you got a earpiece? I'm not going to tell you that. Yeah. I don't even blame Gorilla. People miss things. Somebody's got somebody's to let the guy know. Well, they're probably looking at their watch. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> we gave these kids 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, it's now one on four. I mean, yeah. I mean, how much offense, offense can he put out against yeah. four people? Well, this is Marty's opportunity to really shine. Marty's going to shock the world, I think. That won't come until the next match. You don't think so? Shock the world. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. That was ya. cool. Was that, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, that was, that was cool. Marty jumping off the rope like that, getting his feet up there. Very luchador-esque. Very luchador-esque. And you gotta imagine this is November of nineteen ninety one. That stuff really isn't happening very yeah. much. Brian Knobs getting thrown into that corner post. Ooh, super kick. No sell. No sell on that. By the way, that's not a super kick. They're crescent kicks. Crescent kick. Super kick hasn't been uh, hasn't been introduced yet. He got a lot of air on that. And and look at that too. What's interesting is he got a ton of air on that. And that's a big move to try in this era when they have almost no space on the outside of the ring. Look how much look, look at it. they have like three feet on any side. You know what? This is Marty's uh, time to shine. And the slide in, you see? Yeah, this? yeah, this is great. You see the slide in the ring. Marty's crushing it right now. I'll have no Marty Jannetty hate on this podcast. Except for the time he put on Facebook. He was talking about his daughter or whatever he was writing. We don't talk about that, though. And this is a little sloppy right Small package. Oh, Uh, no. Brian Knobs turned him over. Turn around. Oh, Danny Davis. And three. Uh Oh, come on. He had the ropes. He had the ropes. He had the shoulder up. This is ridiculous. Now, this is the actual screw job. This is the the Survivor Series screw job. Hey, you ever watch Survivor Series screw job? Uh, Brett? No, 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 no. Marty. Jerry Sags. We all know who should have won that. We know. We remember. (laughs) By the way, this referee in there, Danny Davis. Mm -hmm. Fun fact Mattel just put out a WrestleMania series of elite action figures. And uh, if you get all four, you can build a referee Danny Davis action figure. Really? And he looks just like that. He's got the bow tie, he's got the whole thing. So if you want a referee Danny Davis action figure, you see how Marty picks up Jerry Sags. And his foot knocks out Sean, and Brian Knobs takes advantage. Sean blames Marty for eliminating him from that match, and justifiably so. I, mean, I get it. Yeah, I get it too. I absolutely get it. Who was it. the senior referee at this time? They didn't have senior referees. They had Jack Tunney and a whole bunch of referees. But Earl Hepner is there, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Mike Kyoto, who is still a WWE. Mike Kyoto was here? He was here. Wow. He was here. You know how cool it is to be in WWE locker room, like a TV locker room, and have Mike Kyoto walk in going, what's up, guys? And I'm like, Hold, it's Mike Kyoto. It's been a, it's a, a goddamn legend just walked in the room. Everybody just pay homage. 30 years. Yeah. Longer, maybe? When? The- uh, 91 is less than 30 years, but yeah. Oh, the stories. Yeah. Should I have him on the podcast? I would have Mike Kyoto on the podcast. He'd be great, I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah, that's 28 years. This Survivor Series was 28 years ago. We're about to experience Survivor Series 2019. Man, it's crazy that this was 28 years ago. I've watched every Survivor Series live since this one. Still, those those kids are your age now, right? Yeah, more or less, yeah. And there oh, you have look it. Look at those empty spots. Well, yeah, that was supposed <laughs> to be Sid and Jake Roberts. That was supposed. We don't. We should. We uh, maybe. Look, we didn't have Photoshop in '91. Okay, it was a little tougher to just uh, on the fly change things up. Paint over it. Yeah, just paint. Can you paint Jake purple? <laughs> um. So this one's gonna be three on three. Main event for these guys. That's a big deal. Earthquake and Typhoon and IRS. Watch your step. Versus Big Boss Man. And the Legion of Doom. That's another thing that you won't see anymore. In 91, people did not mind playing to the cameras. 2019, you will not see a professional wrestler play to the camera. With WWE. They should bring back. You think so? Yeah. You like this? I mean, we know there's a camera. They know there's a camera. Why not? If you're a, you know, you're an athlete, UFC guys or whatever, they talk to the cameras. 
I'm not surprised, mother. Right, exactly. <laughs> so why why wouldn't you? Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Now, Earthquake, of course, had been a main eventer previously. Singles main eventer. He had it came into the WWE in 1990 uh, and immediately started a program with Hulk Hogan. Um, and he was really brought in as a monster, the latest monster to destroy Hulkamania. Mm-hmm. And it was good. They uh, headlined SummerSlam 90, Earthquake versus Hulk Hogan. He broke Hulk Hogan's ribs with the earthquake drop. Could Hulk Hogan survive the earthquake? He did. He did, luckily. Um, but then after that, uh, when they were finding out what to do now that the Hogan challenge is over, turn Typhoon heel, bring him together as a team, natural disasters, earthquake and Typhoon. Good switch. Yeah. So here comes a big boss man. I think the big boss man is one of the most underrated wrestlers ever. I love the big boss man. He was a great good guy. He was an amazing bad guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I only I only knew him as a kid as a as a horrible, and he was just horrible, horrible person. Ate Al Snow's dog. Yeah, made fun of Big Show's dead dad and dead dad, and you just believed him every step of the I way. I remember believing, you know, and this is when I mean, I don't know if this was when Triple H was like still was on, the, well, yeah, but you have horrible people on the roster. Yes, and me personally, I would go Big Bossman is the biggest. Most horrible person. Yeah, he was awful. There was total dick. Total dick. Just there was nothing about him that was like, you know what? He's not so bad. Every part of him was bad. Yeah, and I loved it. Um, and his theme song was awesome. The original, the when he's a good guy or the, the bad, bad guy. Bad guy. What was that like? Yeah. And just comes swinging the baton like crazy. Yeah. Did you ever hear his good guy theme music? No. If you ever take a trip down uh, to Cobb County, Georgia, really? you better read the signs, <laughs> respect the law and order. You'll serve hard time. Uh, it's awesome. I'll have to listen to it. Yeah, you have to listen <laughs> okay. to it. I can't believe you've never heard the Big Boss Man's theme music. No, I only know the badass. That's heel. so funny that you're like, he's got some of the best music ever. I'm like, yeah. And you're like, yeah, I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about his bad guy music. Um I'm going to play for you right now. Okay. Because I think it's ridiculous that you have never heard this. Uh, I mean, I... Oh, this is an ad. Hang on. Ads. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this. Okay, you ready? Uh-huh. All right. I really... I, I seriously... This is amazing to me. <laughs> you better read the signs... How would he come out? He wouldn't come out with swinging baton, would he? Yeah, he was swinging his baton. He was running down the aisle. Okay. This is hard. Okay. Make you walk the line. You better watch it or you'll be serving hard time. Now, why why is the boss man and uh, IRS, why are they in separate teams? You'd think they'd be in the same side of the law. You'll serve hard because IRS is going to serve hard time, punk. <laughs> You know the big balls man. Oh, I like this. Super dope. Yeah. Well, I think that the big boss man and IRS are on separate sides because IRS, he I don't think he was always on the up and up. I think he was a bit a of a shady. I think he was a bit of a crooked tax man personally. Uh, aren't they all? And well yeah, and the big boss man didn't want to put up with that. I bet the upgrades that the Vince just like hated paying taxes and so he made it IRS. <laughs> like, <laughs> ugh. See, look at the way. Look how fast, Big Boss yeah, Man. That's a lot he's of speed going, and on he's here. a giant. Big Boss Man is a huge man, and he just moves around so fast. He's just the man. You might say he's big. 
You might say he's the boss. Except when he went to WCW, he was the boss. He was the man. I think he was the big at one point. He was, <laughs> <laughs> when they were just trying to figure out who he could be. When did he go to WCW? Was so he went to WCW in 93. Uh, you know, and I think that was probably good timing for him. I think he was kind of wrapped up in WWE. Mm-hmm. A year after this, he'd have his, uh, he had just gotten over his rivalry with the Mountie. He had, he had beaten it at SummerSlam 91 a few months before this. He had beaten the Mountie in a jailhouse match where the loser had to spend a night in a New York City jail because it was at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, one of the greatest moments ever. I never got it as a kid, but as an adult, I was like, this is just amazing television. So the Mountie loses. In his full Mountie outfit, he gets put in a cop car and has to go to jail. Yeah. Cameras follow him. They go to a vignette in his full Mountie outfit. He's in a jail cell, and he's going, let me out, let me out. And this criminal, his cellmate, just walks up to him and goes, don't you just love the way leather feels against your skin? No. <laughs> and he goes, let me out of here. That's funny. <laughs> I was like, it's amazing. So Bossman had just gotten, look at the way John Tenta just yeah, catches like animal nothing. like nothing. Dude, John Tenta was so strong. He's another one that was so underrated. The earthquake is just so great. Um, so he had just gotten over the Mountie thing that that's over. Um, it's going to be a couple months before nails shows up. Of course, nails is the convict mm-hmm. that the big boss man put away several years ago. Um, and decided to become a pro wrestler. He decided, well, he decided to become a pro wrestler specifically to get the big boss man. Okay. Um, so nails would show up several months after this, like into 1992. Yeah. He would beat up the big boss man with a nightstick, putting the big boss man on a shelf on the shelf. Or a shelf. Hey. Um, and a year from now at Survivor Series 92, we'll finally get the Big Boss Man versus Nails in a nightstick on a pole match. The Big Boss Man wins that one. And uh, Nails says goodbye not too long after that. Where does Nails go? Well, so they started, uh, Nails wrestled. Do you ever see pictures of Nails? I don't even know how, yeah, I don't know how he looks like. He, re- he wrestled in an orange prison jumpsuit. Really? Yeah, he was awesome. Okay. Literally... If you ask my dad right now, who's your favorite wrestler of all time? He's like, Nails. He <laughs> loved Nails. Why did he love Nails? So he just loved the character. Look at Typhoon just catches IRS. Oh, bit, and the, the air that Hawk would get on that drop kick. So Nails would wrestle in this bright jumpsuit, and he'd just be a convict, and he would just choke people. He wouldn't do any moves. He mm-hmm. did less moves than The Undertaker in 91. He would do no moves. He would just choke people. And in 92, we went to SummerSlam in Wembley Stadium, my whole family. Mm-hmm. And my dad got to see Nails in person with the bright orange jumpsuit and everything. He was like, that's my dude. That's my guy. Uh, something about him. Nails was fighting Virgil that night, by the way. <laughs> okay. He's like, that's my guy. I mean, it's great that WWE gives uh, former felons an opportunity. Well, he wanted to beat up the big boss man. Big right. boss man's in WWE. It's hard to get a job out there. It is hard. It is hard in these streets. Unfortunately, the WWE apparently did uh, uh, learn the, the error of their ways because... They tried to set up, after the big boss man angle, they tried to set up an angle with The Undertaker and Nails. Mm-hmm. There was a great moment in 1992, at the end of 92, at, at, uh, on WWF Superstars, the TV show, where, and this is, they used to set up angles every now and then, where the good guy would be coming out for his match, and the bad guy hadn't left the ring yet, or vice versa. Okay. And they would just cross paths in the aisle way. And have a stare down, and that would be enough to start an angle. That's simple. And it would be yeah. great every time. You'd be like, oh, my God. Because back then, you didn't see these matches. Like, you wouldn't see Big Boss Man versus IRS, for example. 
Like, that wouldn't be a match that you saw on TV. Mm-hmm. So if IRS and the Big Boss Man came into contact with each other, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is a big deal. So they did a thing where The Undertaker and Nails had a stare down in one of those crossovers. And they had a stare down in the middle of the ring. They made it the cover of WWF magazine, the whole thing. But before they could do anything with that angle, before they could do the match, before they could do anything, rumor has it that Nails physically attacked Vince McMahon backstage over a dispute about a payout. Mm. And that was the end of Nails. Okay. And he did end up going to WCW. I think he only had one match. Oh, boy. IRS has that briefcase. I think it's a loaded briefcase. Oh. Boss man goes down. A lot of paperwork in there. Oh, I think so. One, two, three. First elimination. Boss man is eliminated. We're left with Hawk and Animal versus the Natural Disasters and Irwin R. Scheister. So Nails would show up in WCW in 1993. He had a match with Sting as a mystery opponent. Mm-hmm. I think he only had the one match ever. But he had that match with Sting. And he looked exactly the same, except he had braids in his hair. And you know, what, hookup. you know what his name was? What? The Convict. He just wore the orange jumpsuit again. He yeah. was, he's just the Convict. He's like, they might as well have called him We Can't Say Nails. <laughs> <laughs> nails? Nails? They could have said Nails with an S because it was Nails with a Z. Right. Uh, but they called him the convict, and Sting, he had, was a surprise mystery opponent for Sting. Sting beat him. But I'll tell you, he was scary as a kid. Nails was a big guy. He shouted like this! Except I figured out later that uh, he was using, like, a voice box modulator. Because if you go on YouTube, there's a video of, listen to what Nails really sounded like, and it was not that scary. He had, like, a high-pitched voice. So he only, like, he only had backstage promos, and then... And yeah, he never did, like, yeah. Well, I mean, but everything was so pre-taped that you could patch in. Right. Yeah. It's like when you go to a concert and they still do auto-tune. Like, you could auto-tune live. Right. Yeah. Or like when they wanted to use uh, Arn Anderson, I guess, for Shockmaster's voice. Oli. Oh, Oli. Oli yeah. Anderson. Yeah. Stop bringing up the Shockmaster, okay? Oh, he's right there. Right? I know, I know, but Typhoon. <laughs> it's hard not to. He says, talk about Typhoon. Don't talk about new shit, he says. <laughs> <laughs> um, low blow that looked like. An animal, by the way. I think referee Joey Morella, who is the son, by the way, of Gorilla Monsoon, who's on commentary, mm. maybe should have made that call personally. There they have him choking the life. Just casual stuff. Out of animal. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough for these guys to come out of this. So what do you think of this so far, Hot Dog? You're watching uh, Survivor Series 91. You've never seen the pay-per-view. You're, you're probably used to a completely different pace of action. What do you think of Survivor Series 91? I, yeah, I am used to a different pace, but I am still surprised by... It's it's a lot faster still than I thought it would be. Like, yeah, it's kind of dope. Yeah, because I, I think of like 80s and early 90s, and I think of just like rest holds and like, like sleepers and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I've never really been too interested to like go back and watch it. But like watching them like the rockers and all that stuff, and like even these guys are going pretty fast. Yeah, and I mean they're powerhouses, which is great. Right, yeah. Yeah, like I did not expect that at all from like early '90s no. stuff. I thought that came in like late '90s. Yeah. Well, see, this is why you got to do your research. You were ignorant. I was ignorant. I'm glad that you've been educated to this. Hawk is just cleaning house on everybody. It is wild that this is how they're. This is the match they're ending the pay per view with. The, is the crowd into it? Is the question though? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure. Look, man, look at Hawk's body. Jesus, and he, uh, uh, he's just crazy. It's crazy. I think that. Yeah, I mean, Legion of Doom was a huge act. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, oh, he knocked uh. out Typhoon on accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, you think IRS oh, is come going? On. You think IRS is going to Typhoon and going like Typhoon? I'm sorry, that was on accident. My bad, bro. I don't know how they got there. See, now you would sit here and go like, well, the odds have been evened. But I would tell you that no, I would say that the Legion of Doom have a distinct advantage over the idea that IRS and Earthquake would be a team together because they're a, not teammates. This is a tag team match. Now. Right. Two-on-two two tag team match. And Legion of Doom have all the experience in the world. IRS and Earthquake have never teamed together at all. They don't even have the same manager. And now they're beefing with each other. They're beefing. Uh, oh, boy. I, why I oughta? Why I oughta? <laughs> He's like, get the heck out of here. I'm sorry, Bubby. I'm sorry, buddy. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Don't hurt him. By the way, I saw uh, Earthquake Splash. He did it, uh, uh, I think, on Boss Man yeah. a couple of minutes ago. I think that would legitimately kill me. Yeah, because it looked like it's just like, that's just landing. If I don't move out of the way, I'm getting squashed. Right. Now, it looks like it looks like the earthquake is, he, is he's walking out on is IRS. He he's walking out on IRS. He's going, screw you, IRS. Boy's loyal. Well, you know what's happening here, hot dog? Face turn. Mm. Natural disaster is getting ready for that big face turn. And a couple months after, well, more than a couple months, about nine months after this, SummerSlam 92, Wembley Stadium, we would see Money Incorporated, Ted DiBiase, and Erwin uh, uh, R. Scheister mm-hmm. versus the Natural Disasters, mm. I think. The long con. I mean, yeah. like the feud- I think that's, I think so. So the feuds back then. Well, they didn't really reference this match, I don't think. The feuds back then lasted a lot longer, yes, because you only had, it was bad, this is the big four. Mm-hmm. King of the Ring hadn't even started yet. Right. You know, so this is the big four. You have Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, uh, uh, SummerSlam Survivor Series. That's it. Those are your pay-per-views. And everything is just leading to these pay-per-views. So really, rivalries were only about one thing, live events. It was about putting matches on at live events that people liked. And so these rivalries would last however long the live event cycle would last. And Raw started in 93, so the weekly show they had was only one hour? Well, they had... Uh, they had a couple of shows. They had Superstars of Wrestling and Wrestling Challenge that were uh-huh. both uh, syndicated weekly shows that were usually on Saturday and Sunday morning. They were in New York anyway, and those are an hour. Mm-hmm. And then they had uh, uh, All American Wrestling, which was Sunday mornings on USA. And then they had Primetime Wrestling, which was uh, that was the precursor to Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was their nighttime show. But Primetime Wrestling was like a, a studio shows it was bobby heenan and and gorilla monsoon sitting at a desk and throwing to matches Mm. and the syndicated shows wrestling challenge superstars all american wrestling all enhancement talent matches but prime but it was primetime wrestling it was uh okay these matches happen over the weekend or something like that let's go to it or was it was it shown as like this is happening now no it was it was definitely let's they wouldn't say when it happened because they were all new matches yeah but it would be, yeah, it, it wouldn't, they wouldn't be acting like they were in the arena. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because, but the big matches were saved for pay-per-view, live events, Coliseum home video. So every 30 days they would have a new home video that came out that was not a pay-per-view release. So it would be like content that was exclusive to home video. There's even a section on the WWE Network, if you're perusing through it, that's really fun. You can go into like uh, uh, the home videos that they released in like, the late 80s and early 90s, mm-hmm. and all, oof, just bumped into oh, each other. Rough. And all of them had matches that you never saw on pay-per-view or TV. Angles wouldn't happen in home video, though, right? No, not angles. Blow-offs would, though. Huh. 
That's yeah, weird. I mean, that's you would, so, that sounds you would so have, weird. You would have lots of angles that started on TV that never blew off on a pay per view. You know, you never had a Jake Roberts uh, Undertaker match. Well, I'm sorry, you never had a Jake Roberts Ultimate Warrior match. You never had an Ultimate Warrior Undertaker match. You never had a Hogan Flair match. You never. There were plenty of angles that were started. On, I mean, Papa Shango and the Ultimate Warrior. You were waiting for that match to be on pay per view, but they just did it at the live events. Yeah. You know, so. That's that's what it was all about is selling live event tickets. Then, pay per view wasn't even like well, pay per view was yeah, but it, I mean it wasn't the big money maker. It yet, was I still guess? growing into itself. Yeah, it was still growing into itself. IRS is now like, oh my god, where's that earthquake? I gotta, wish he was here. You got to feel for him now. I mean, he's getting some sympathy. No, he's not. IRS wants to leave. Forget it. <laughs> I'm about to take my tie off if you're not careful. So it looks like IRS is leaving, oh, too. You can't end a show like this. Two du- Why? Why? What's wrong with two countouts in an uh, elimination? Uh-oh. Uh, oh, uh, no. The big boss man. If you ever take a trip <laughs> down to Cobb County, Georgia, you better read the sign. Respect the law and order. Turn around. Yeah, here he comes. The See, this is the boss man is here to, pr- to protect law, order, and justice. This is law enforcement going That's on right. now. That's right. That's right. Oh, boy. Oof. That's a big arm across the chest. That's a tree trunk falling on you. Big suplex. Oh, boy. Hawk is going up to the top rope. This can only mean one thing, Hot Dog. Have you ever seen this before? Uh, Do you know what he said? No. Boom. Flying clothesline. I thought he was setting up for it. Oh, they didn't. And it's over. They didn't have to do the the, uh, doomsday device. The doomsday device was usually the flying clothesline off the shoulders of Animal. But, yeah. And that's that's the end of the pay-per-view. The good guys win. I mean, I still don't understand. I I, I get bam, that. Bam. Look at those arms. I get that Hogan lost, so you don't want to end it on a sour note. But I'm surely there must have been events by now that have ended on sour notes. That you could have put that in the main event. I'm literally thinking right now. I don't think prior to this pay-per-view there had ever been a pay-per-view that ended on a sour note not one no i mean title changes that were sour notes happened either in the middle of the show when ultimate warrior lost the title to sergeant slaughter it was middle of the show it was a royal rumble it was not the last match and they purposely did that with every title like okay a heel's gonna win this one well yeah Let's i mean move this to like the titles didn't, of the- titles didn't switch that often okay, yeah so it's like you know, and heels almost never won. Is that backdrop crooked? Uh, or am so I crazy? There's something off about it. It is, right? Yeah. Maybe the camera's crooked. Is Sean Mooney crooked too? It kind of looks like the backdrop's a little crooked. Something I love that they would travel with that locker room backdrop so that wherever they went, that's the arena they were in. What's the announcement being made here? Tuesday in Texas. They're uh, selling. Okay. <laughs> they're selling you on their next pay-per-view. Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon's like, it's not over yet. Enjoy Thanksgiving tomorrow. You get a pay-per-view to buy on Tuesday. And if you don't feel satisfied by this, you will on Tuesday. Exactly. Now, I think Tuesdays in Texas had a discounted rate. So it wasn't the full pay-per-view rate that, you know, you paid for Survivor Series. But still, they're saying, look, we want to give you what we want to give you. The closest time we can give it to you is this Tuesday in San Antonio, Texas. So we're going to put on pay-per-view. Sorry, man. Sorry what we are you complaining it about? It's extra. It's more content. And you're like, yeah, for, for more money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, in England at this time, there was no pay-per-view. Everything was on Sky Sports. 
So like they were like Tuesday in Texas. I was like, dope. It was all free in England. It was yeah. It was part of pay per view. Yeah, I mean pay per view. Yeah, it was free. Wow. It was part of your cable provider. I think. Uh, what is this? So Bobby Heenan was just calling up to order the pay per view. I think, and this now is Mean Gene Okerlund. And he's in the seedy underbelly in the depths of the Joe Louis arena. So we're not actually ending on LOD standing tall with the big boss man. We're ending on an Undertaker promo letting you know that he's le champion. (laughs) And he is going to Tuesday. He's going to Texas on Tuesday. To defend the title against Hulk Hogan. That title looks good on him, though. Oh, it does. Look at that. And it was so cool. For I mean, unfortunately, he only held it for, you know, I guess six days. This is Wednesday, Tuesday. Six days. But not only, like, does it look awesome on him, but when he was in this character, when he walked to the ring, he dragged the title behind him. That's cool. So he would just walk with his arms down, you know, really slowly, and he'd hold the title by the end of it. And it would just drag behind him as he went, and it looked so cool. Can I mention something that's like standing out, uh, sticking out with me here is like the production. There's like a multi-camera angle, like promo mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Like I already saw like three angles, and I think that's they don't do that anymore. Promos and like that. It, was, like, it, it just looks more like if it were like, 2019, they would have the Undertaker standing in front of a monitor, going like, "Oh, I was just watching this." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, there was more work done here. Like it. it yeah, it just looks cooler. And like the angle, like it's it's just, you know. I think a lot of it has movement. To, yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the character. Yeah, you're right. You can see it right there with the candles and everything. But I think a right. lot of it has to do with the character and them really trying to get over this Undertaker character. This is amazing though. Yeah, I love I it. I love this. I love this too. I wish they would do more theatrical stuff like this. You're right, hot yeah. dog. Mean Gene looking into the coffin terrified. Like even like This the- is where Quentin Tarantino got the briefcase from. <laughs> okay. Like what's in the coffin? I don't know. Same thing in Tarantino's briefcase. If that's the finish right there, that's a that's, that's the a finish. That's an awesome that, finish. That's the end of Survivor Series 1991. That's an awesome finish. That's the finish. Yeah. That's what the finish should have been on SmackDown instead of the Miz being like, "So there you have it." <laughs> <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> well, hot dog. I'm glad I got to show this to you. How do you think it ranks up with uh, with with today's wrestling? Have I made you a fan of 1990s wrestling? Uh, the pacing's a lot faster than I thought. I I, I you know kids these days have you know. They don't have the best attention span. Kids. Yeah. Na, 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 na. Right. So that's why I had, I, I, you know, I watched the highlights, but I had zero interest in watching, like, the actual matches. And it was good. It was fine. Fine or good? Well, if the actual talent that was advertised was on the show. Okay, stop acting like you actually ordered the show. You just <laughs> found out who half the talent was. Well, you told me what the, the, the match was, so it was advertised. Okay. You know, if they were there, it would have been, it, it been good. So you're just finding reasons to crit- critique them in hindsight, even though you didn't even know this thing existed. Hey, you got to critique history. I don't even, that's not, you just made that up just now. That's not a saying. You know what they say? You got to critique history. Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Uh, well, hot dog, uh, I'm glad that I could expose this to you. Uh, it's a great way to celebrate Survivor Series coming up this Sunday. I can't wait for it. It's going to be great. I'm going to be in Chicago for it. Um, you're gonna, we're going to uh, preview the entire card on Thursday, not Sam Thursday, of course, coming up this Thursday. As always, we're going to go over all of Survivor Series. We'll talk about everything that uh, happened leading up to it. And all of that, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this special edition of Not Sam Wrestling. We'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.
rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam.